Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host Dominic Booth. I'm delighted to be joined by Samuel Luckers for this episode. It's just me and Samuel, but we're going to dissect uh, last night's Manchester United victory over Lask and talk about the Europa League and a little bit about transfers and Alexis Sanchez as well. How are you, Samuel? The weather's finally on the on the turn in Manchester again. Uh, not, not where I'm. Where I live. Oh, is it not? It's, uh, it's, 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 still, it's, it's it's pretty overcast where I am. I'm I'm in this. I'm in rural uh, near, near Pennines land, so. Uh, it's um, it's probably still you. very yeah. It, eventually, I'd like to think it will reach me at some stage. But uh, yeah, I, I, I suspect. Well, that's 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 very nice for you. To, very nice to hear as well. So hopefully, we get some of it at some stage. But uh, yeah, United were in action on Wednesday night. Uh, I have to get used to playing on Wednesday nights and Tuesday nights rather than Thursdays in the Champions League next season. It was a, a pretty sort of drab. Uh, event wasn't it against Lask, but I guess they got the job done, and there were one or two positives to take, despite uh, I guess an hour of, of fairly abject stuff. Yeah, I think the game uh, panned out as as expected. As soon as the team dropped, when you saw that Harry Maguire was starting, and that uh, there was no that there were no debutants, I think there could only have been one debutant anyway from the start, which was Mengi, uh, who came on in the end, and uh, James Garner wasn't being used. Uh, you just felt so that set the tone for a pretty uh, tepid first half. And I think tepid is is being kind. It was it, it was just a, a chore, unfortunately. I know that sounds extremely ungrateful because some of us have the privilege to, to still attend games um, in, in a journalistic capacity, and supporters aren't um, aren't allowed in, but. but speaking to my father he said that he was nearly dozing off watching the game and I, and I would imagine a lot of other people uh, felt like that as well it, it did liven up at least in the second half there were some goals United did win the game but it was a pretty just a pretty pointless exercise all in all uh, it was just a game they had to fulfill they were obliged to fulfill and um, it, I, I'd like to say it was worth the wait but it, it really wasn't it was it was difficult to um really settle on some takeaways from from the game we we always find a way uh, somehow or another and there were little little subplots that were relatively interesting but certainly going looking ahead to the the, the Copenhagen game on Monday you would only expect Williams Maguire and, and probably Romero as well I'd say deservedly Romero um, to keep their places yeah it was a little bit disappointing for some fans not to see more debutants and, and and a few more exciting names rather than the the second string that we're, we're sort of used to coming into these games now. Solskjaer said there were mitigating reasons why United didn't look very fluent in the early parts of the game. Obviously, that group hadn't played together since the the Norwich FA Cup quarter final. And was that there anyone? Well. well, and that yeah, and that, and that was a, <laughs> a, a two-hour. Uh, Sort of dry run as well, wasn't it? Similar to the to the last game. But was there anyone who who may have put their hand up? Who who you think you know is in Solskjaer's good books after last night? 
I think the the one thing that that stood out, and it, it was one of those things that you could actually see it happening in, before your eyes because Solskjaer was was audible in saying it, was that after they switched James to the right and Lingard went to the left, Mata went through the middle, and Solskjaer was saying to Lingard to to come inside, don't don't stay out on on the um, on the flank because it, it, I mean that would be pointless. I think that's probably uh, the worst possible use of, of Lingard. And of course, when when the goal came, Matter was in the right position, and Lingard's positioning was was more central. And um, he's he's got two goals in two games now. And just just going off that, um, I know it's very very minor to rather meaningless goals in in as many games for Lingard, but he has got some confidence. He is speaking um, more to the media. He was the press conference player on Tuesday. Uh, Some of us had a very surreal um, Q&A, online Q&A with him, uh, thanks to some pistachio sellers in in the United States, which (laughs) was, as I said, was surreal. But um, the the way he came across in some of his answers, it sounded like that he's at least trying to recalibrate or he's used the lockdown period to, to recalibrate, which I think a lot of people in many walks of life um, used or tried to use. And the fact that he's come back and he's he's had you know, he's had some encouraging moments. I thought he did OK at Palace and then he's got, gone and scored a couple of goals um, after the setback of not being in the Cup semi-final squad. I think it's a legitimate point to say that he's possibly ahead of Daniel James in terms of left wingers United have to choose from now because James is just unfortunately playing like a drain um, I tried to look for an excuse to um, mark up his rating not be as harsh on him but from start to finish he was he was appalling last night he, he just looks completely shot at the moment and he's not played well as we've said before all calendar year but there were games where his selection was justified in a split striker strategy, be it Chelsea away or, or City at home. Games where he didn't necessarily stand out, but United still won and they, they won very well. They were, they were crucial victories in, in finishing third. But it said it all that when he was reunited with Rashford in, in the uh, semi-final against Chelsea, uh, Rashford became worse and regressed and James was just completely impotent. He, he is just not playing well at the moment and he does look in need of a break. But he's not going to get a proper break, given the, the quick turnaround. Well, yeah, no, nobody's going to get a particularly long break, especially if United stay for the entire 12 days in, in Germany with the rest of the, the knockout stages to be played over there. Um, United drawn against FC Copenhagen. I think they may come up against Guillermo Varela when they when they play that game. But I guess the the big talk is that about Inter Milan and a potential um, final if both clubs get that far. And and it may be a very quick reunion with Alexis Sanchez, Samuel, as well. After that, that move was confirmed, it was a, a bit of a miracle for many United fans that Sanchez is actually off the wage bill, isn't it? It's uh, it's something to to certainly savour and, and celebrate. Uh, that that was always the concern that there would not be a buyer out there to, to take him off United's hands, and it's not a surprise that the arrangements included a payoff, and it's and United have waived a fee because they were just desperate to get him off the books. Um, I mean, in, in regards to Sancho rather than Sanchez, uh, one of the things that United have raised as an issue um, amid their negotiations with Dortmund uh, and the player and his representatives um, are wages because they were fully aware of the resentment um, that some players felt after Sanchez was given these obscene wages at the time there have been so many figures that have been banded about and there's a bit of embellishing that go goes on but the 
the, the real core fact is that he was on 400 grand a week net at United, which I said is an obscene amount. And when you take Paul Pogba into consideration, he, he had his nose put out of joint by Sanchez coming in. That was reflected by um, how fraught his relationship with Mourinho became after that. Anthony Marshall was another one who um, was in a decent vein of form. And then he had to vacate that role that Sanchez occupied and it kicked off with him and Mourinho in the summer. And of course, in, in Pogba's case, he's not had a contract renewal since he signed for United in uh, 2016, uh, four years ago. Now, he's not hard up, obviously. He's probably earning around um, a quarter of a million every week. But how, however um, modest some players and most players may, train, tr- may try and appear, they have got egos. And when you've got a busted flush like Sanchez on so much more money than you, it's bound to hurt your ego. And if it doesn't hurt your ego, it's going to hurt your agent's ego. And especially if your agent is Mina Raiola. So <laughs> at least United have got him off the books. That's that's the thing. That, that That's the achievement in it, that they have brought his time to the club uh, to, to an end when they could have been saddled for him uh, with him for much longer. Yeah, there ought to be some sort of special plaque for Antonio Conte and Inter Milan with them taking all these ex-United players uh, off their hands. And I guess it says something as well that um, United's players considered Sanchez's wages obscene, and that's even in footballing terms. I mean, it's beyond sort of imagination for every, everyone else in society, isn't it? But, you know, how do you see this this affecting United forward? Is that, just, is that a simple case of the number seven shirt being vacated for... For Jaden Sancho, that was obviously the, an ideal swap for for many fans, and it, it would just be a massive upgrade, wouldn't it? That, that's the preference for United, and they've got the leverage to do that. Uh, they they have had to sell players before to make room for incomings. Uh, you saw that with 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 Sanchez when he came in. Uh, he came in, and, and Mkhitaryan left. I think if Mkhitaryan wasn't going anywhere, then United just would have been able to justify having another forward well into. Um, six-figure weekly wages uh, I, I think as, as much as it must frustrate and it may frustrate supporters Woodward's quote in April about the economic realities of the transfer market are more relevant now than ever uh, you've it's not football manager a lot of fans think that United can go about business as if it, they're playing on FIFA or, uh, or football manager but it, it just doesn't work out that way uh, Maguire came in last year uh, when United were very, very confident that they were going to get a fee for Lukaku, which had obviously been um, dragging on and on. Uh, and th- there have been other issues in the past where players have had to go to make way uh, for players coming in as well. Um, I think with certain players like Fred and Diogo Dallo a couple of years ago, they had release clauses, so it was a lot easier. Uh, but there have been there have been certain tweaks or strategy changes along the way. I mean, one of the preferences for United since the Pogba deal has been to do deals uh, that that include add-ons. Um, I think Harry Maguire is the only real glaring exception to that because they paid £18 million up front for him last summer. But Daniel James, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, Bruno Fernandes, uh, Lukaku, Lindelof, Matic, uh, they all came for up front, up front fees with, with add-ons to come. Um, so with, with Sancho... You know, it's it helps them an awful lot that Sanchez has gone. Uh, Tahith Chong will go on loan. I know that's a little bit small fry, but it is another. It, the, the attacking department is lighter with someone else going out. Um, 
you know, with with Lingard, it's it's. I still wouldn't get too carried away with with just him scoring a couple of goals. I think if a good if a good offer comes in, then I don't think United will stand in his way. And I think it's probably in his best interests after the time he's had and all the issues he's had that he has a change of scenery. Uh, I think he'd be a very good player for another team still. So when you factor all those things into account, they have got more than enough room to accommodate not just the number seven, but possibly a number 11 as well. Yeah, I think Paul Scholes said on, on BT, didn't he, that maybe a, a fresh move to, for Jesse Lingard is is what's needed and he's, he's probably done his reputation no harm with these recent goals. But you, you've written today in the uh, Manchester Evening News, Samuel, about the centre-back situation and, and that's certainly somewhere where we can we could possibly see some movement in this summer transfer window. United aren't going to get Nathan Ake. He's been unveiled as a, a Manchester City player. Do you see that being more a case of outgoings than incomings in the centre-back region this summer? It, it really has to be in that they have got eight centre-backs, which is uh, probably three too many. Yeah, way um, too many. It's, it's, it's well, however many... Um, however too many it is it's it's a hell of a lot of players and that's that was a bloated department last year which was an issue um, I mean when it came to signing Maguire last year they just had to get centre back in because they'd had such a disastrous um, defensive season I think it was the worst defensive season in top flight for 40 years and it had been well 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 documented how dismal um, their attempts were to try and sign centre back in the, the 2018 window so they were going to get one come hell or high water uh, last year and then after Maguire came in it was a case of right who can we shift um, Roma did them a favour in, in taking Smalling off their hands not because Smalling's a bad defender I think he's still one of the best defenders United have but Solskjaer wants ball playing centre-backs and Smalling played the fewest minutes of of, of all the centre-backs on pre-season last year um, and it's, it's again we, we all know that he can't pass water it's it's the biggest weakness of his game um, Mourinho derided him over that um, when it came to uh, you know, dissecting the Europa League final in 2017 uh, whereas Rojo and Jones as strange as it may sound have, have got a bit more ability on the ball but they're just they have outstayed their welcome and their stock is so low at the moment that it will be difficult to sell them. Rojo just, I mean, he, he joined in with that Nike campaign last week about you can't stop us. Well, something has stopped him from playing football because he's played <laughs> once all year um, and he just seems to be on holiday in Argentina at the moment. So um, Maybe he was talking about they couldn't stop him from locking down in Argentina, judging by a couple <laughs> of things that happened over there. I know, I know. Um, the, the consolation for United is that come next year they can release him and if there was one player that who's... Uh, one-year option you should not exercise it is Marcus Rojos they didn't do it with Valencia last year or James Wilson last year so uh, I think it's safe to assume they if, if they don't sell him they will release him uh, even his agent Jonathan Barnett has acknowledged that he needs to move on as well um, but it, it'd be interesting to see if United can get rid of them I think it's probably the most fascinating aspect of their transfer window Sancho I know there was there's an, an air of pessimism at the moment I still think I will still be surprised if that doesn't happen um, purely because United really want the player here's the priority Dortmund are open selling him there, are, there was always an awful lot of posturing going on with these things and these things do also tend to 
tend to drag out a fair bit. But with the centre-half issue, United really should be looking to improve it, but they are going to have to get rid of players. And in the case of Jones and Rojo, I suppose you know, the, the, the Euros has been delayed by a year. Uh, the Copa America has been delayed as well. If those players want to play for their countries, then they need regular playing time. They need to get a move. In Jones's case, again, it sounds, it seems strange to think it, but he was in Southgate's World Cup squad. And there's still a dearth of quality English centre-halves available to choose from. Um, and if, if anything, the, the standard has, has got worse because John Stones has had such a torrid 18 months or so with Manchester City and you wouldn't really... Um, certainly if the Euros were happen- had happened this year it, it would have been touch and go whether he'd have even made the squad so if Jones actually gets a move somewhere and plays regularly at a decent level there's every chance he could be um, in the England Euro squad next year but that, that has got to be the key they've got to go out and get playing time and I guess the the rise of Ted and Mengi gives hope that that United may not need to go out and, and get a, another centre-half there's been some talk they might go after it a young up-and-coming player. They've been linked with uh, Gabriel... I, I can't say his surname, but he plays for Lille. Magalhães. Lille, yeah. 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 Um, but with, with Mengi obviously making his debut against Lask, there's been high hopes for him. You'd hope that Tuan Zabi can find fitness and, and finally bring something to the table. Have United maybe got some options there if, if they don't fancy signing a centre-back? They have... They've got raw options. Unfortunately for Tunzibi, it's it's become a bit of a write-off where he's, he's become injury-prone. Um, I mean, the, the turning point in his season was that he was poised to start in a back three against Liverpool in October, got injured in the warm-up, and I don't think he started the league game uh, since. So that that was that was a real killer blow um, for him that day. With Mengi, it's still very early days. Um, I think there's a chance he'll be around the squad a lot more uh, next season, he has been the last two months because he seems to have outgrown under-23 football already. But I suppose if United's um, under-23 side are in the top tier of Premier League to playing against better sides, then that's that's useful for him in that he's coming up against a better standard player because the under-23s, where they've been relegated a couple of years ago and they got their act together under Neil Wood and, and Quinton Fortune last season, they were going to get promoted. And I think the shareholders meeting today, um, there's, there's due to be a vote where they, they can still go up uh, because they were in the top two with with West Ham, I think it was. So Yeah, West Ham uh, are the winners, yeah. We're winning. Yeah, so that, that would be that would be beneficial for Mengi in that he'd be coming up against better teams again because it, it, it was a bit of a walk in the park for United coming up against um some championship second string uh sides. So <laughs> It, it it's obviously very idealistic saying, you know, a lad, lad from Rochdale, uh, or sorry, lad from Congo via Rochdale and, and a lad from, from Manchester being options in the squad next season. Uh, but they, they in Tuanzibi's case, um, he's, he's not really taken his chance this season, unfortunately for him. And I think he will get a reprieve because there are three other centre-backs who United want rid of. Eric Bailly's contract is up in 2022 he's into the last two years of his contract so he's not exactly certain of staying uh, long term at United even though he's not succumbed to as many injuries um, since he came back from from his knee problem I just think they 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 are going to need not, not just necessarily uh, someone to exert pressure on, on Lindelof but someone who's going to partner Maguire I think the way City are going about it it's very clear that Ake is going to be um, the first backup. 
and someone who would be able to supplement a back three, but they want a, an axis of Laporte and Koulibaly, which is a hell of an upgrade on Laporte Aki. I think Laporte Aki looks pretty gettable, but if you put Koulibaly alongside Laporte, it looks nigh impregnable. And with Lindelof and Maguire, I think the stats have been the stats have been good, but I think they've been they've also been flattering, but also rather misleading because there are chinks in United's armour there. So. But but the reality is they invested £130 million on the defence last year. They're not going to be investing, I'd say, even anywhere near half of that this year, um, no. if at all, because the priority is is the attack now. And, and Sancho is, is potentially a, a budget-blowing signing. I think United are quite conscious that although in, a, you know, in an ideal world they would bring three or four players in the summer, it really would not be a surprise if they bring fewer players in. But the the Gabriel from Lille, United haven't knocked back um, reports on that. Uh, they, there was an, I think the phrase that was used to me was that he's probably cropped up at some point or another, which isn't saying a hell, isn't saying a great deal given the 804 right backs that uh, they looked at last year. So he's um, on the 800, 800 list of uh, centre backs, is he? I know, I know. It would be. Um, I mean, if they're still operating that way, then it, it is rather inexplicable. But in fairness, the, the recruitment reboot has been um, uh, a massive success since since Solskjaer came in. But I suppose with players who are at Lille, um, Lille have got form for um, fabricating interest from United or planting stories that United are in for this player when they're not in for that player. Uh, the example last year was Nicolas Pepe. Yeah, exactly. And I guess what United want to do is to give themselves options and different ways of playing it's been said that a left-sided centre-back is something they're looking for will Solskjaer look at more tactical options when he's making these signings for three at the back for example obviously Luke Shaw played in that left centre-back role but United don't really have someone who is natural there other than Marcus Rojo I guess and RK was tipped as that man wasn't he but do you see, uh, yeah, do you see think- Solskjaer going down that route? I think a, I think an awful lot was read into the Ake thing. I think it was probably more a um, just your know, Solskjaer being Fair a away bit, compliment, um, wasn't it? Really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, as you say. Um, I, I, as as soon as um, I mean, we were at the the game at, at Bournemouth in November, and I coming away from that, I thought one Ake was man the match, and two, he'd be ideal for City as a backup player or someone who would come into a back three. I think City always had a free run there even yeah. though for some websites throwing United's name into the mix that like they've beaten Manchester United's Nathan Ake, it's it's not true, but it, it just looks better. Um, obviously, because Solskjaer gave him that throwaway compliment and was a bit indiscreet um, in saying it, uh, it, it brought it to attention, and, and rightly so. It was That was newsworthy. Um, I mean, with the whole like the left-sided centre backs or left-footed centre backs, some managers are more obsessive about it than others. Like with Bangal, he was absolutely adamant that his two centre halves had to be one had to be left-footed, the other had to be right-footed. Um, I think the only reason Tyler Blackett ever got a look in in the United first team was because he was left-footed. He was nowhere near good enough to ever play for United, um, but he got a look in because he was a lefty. Um, yeah. and in, in the majority of his games he made mistakes or he was culpable for goals or he got sent off at Leicester so it's not necessarily the right way of going about it but Van Gaal was very very specific and very hot on that uh, to the point when 
I think I said in previous podcasts, when it was the Adidas kit launch, I was out in the Northern Quarter. Um, the, the two special guests at midnight were Phil Jones and Daily Blind, which, as you can imagine, went went down really well on Twitter. Well, the appetite, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, everyone was expecting uh, Gareth Bale and Neymar's Nike, I suppose. But anyway, it was, it was like you know, it would have been Gareth Bale and some other elite Adidas client. But even when they arrived, they were. You know, Jones was on the right, Blind was on the left. It was almost as if Van Gaal had programmed them that much to to be on the right side of each other. It was like Anton Deck always standing on the same side as each other. Yeah, yeah. So there was one point but, in the Van Gaal reign where I think there was seven or eight left footers in the in the same United team, wasn't it? It was always all a bit strange in that era. Well, it would have been Di Maria, Matter, uh, Rocco, Shaw, Van Persie, James Wilson was left footed. I don't think Falcao was. Falcao. He, he, I, I don't think he was either footed when he was at United. <laughs> it was it was that bad. Um, yeah, not one to recall with, with much fondness that one. No, no. But as you say, there were there were a fair few. Uh, but the irony, I suppose, is that for someone who was quite uh, hot on what he wanted in terms of a left footer being on the left, um, that the best run of form they had there. Ashley Young um, playing on the left wing, and obviously he's he's right footed. Yeah, that young partnership with Maro and Fellaini, I remember it uh, very very well. Uh, anyway, let's just have a little look ahead to to the rest of the. I think this, I think talking I think talking about Louis Van Gaal's time is more interesting than the uh, the last Clins game or the, yeah, or the rest prob- of the Europa League. It probably is, yeah. And there's 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 also memories of United flopping quite badly in the Europa League in the uh, in the Van Gaal reign as well. That's, Indeed, that doesn't happen on on Monday night. This is going to be a, a bit of a different sort of occasion in in Germany against uh, FC Copenhagen. They got a very very good three nil win over. Istanbul Bazak Sahir um, last night. Do you, do you see United having any issues at all going into this one? Uh, well, they shouldn't have. I think, as I've said before, with, with these games um, played behind closed doors, the whole cliche about uh, games not played on paper, it, 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 to an extent it is because the teams with more quality often prevail and, and often um, prevail quite comfortably. So uh, I think as soon as that draw was thrown up, United really should have... Um, should have been looking at that, not as a buy as such, but it was such a, a winnable game. It was such a convenient draw um, for them to do, uh, to, to get through on. So, um, you know, I suppose when I think of Copenhagen, I just think of them beating United in the group stage in, in 2006. Uh, Marcus Allback scored and uh, my colleague Simon Pete said he's still playing, which, uh, I mean, God knows how old he, how, he, how old he must be, but, um, you know, Dallas Olbacken's their manager, who weirdly was Wolves' manager at some stage um, and, and lasted five minutes there. Uh, but I think he he might have been manager for Copenhagen when they beat United in 2006. Um, the, the name just rings a bell, or he's come up against United at one point or another. Uh, so many so, one of Rich's teasers, don't we? Yeah. Name the team that, that lost to Copenhagen. Yeah, yeah, it's not not a bad. I'm not one. putting I, you on the spot. I think I think Solskjaer definitely played in in that one. Um, I think he came off injured in it as well. I think Ferguson was moaning about it because there'd been uh, was it a Bruce Springsteen concert or a Puff Daddy concert? I, I know oh, those yeah. are two two similar uh, musical <laughs> artists. But, yeah, but I, I think it was they they met Puff Daddy out there or P Diddy or whatever he was called at the time because he was in Copenhagen. But there'd been a concert on the pitch and the pitch was. Um, was in a terrible, terrible state. Um, so, and, and they ended up losing and that delayed their qualification for uh, for the knockout stage. 
you know, in, insert joke about uh, having a pop or something like that. I don't know. Um, anyway, it's a one-off occasion in Germany. That that shouldn't affect things. In fact, I think maybe the fact that it is a one-off occasion and not two-legged may concentrate the mind a little bit for United. And, and Solskjaer, like you said earlier, he's going to play a strong team. It, 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 he's not going to mess around anymore now, is he? With, with these, you know, only three maximum for three games remaining. Just just gun for the for the silverware and, and try and get it won. Yeah, um, I, I think most people could probably, you could probably predict, I don't know, t- nine or ten, ten of starters. The 11, yeah, yeah uh, I suppose goalkeeper is the one where he's still keeping his cards close to his chest on that, which I don't I don't really see why he should. I think Romero has, has earned that. I think if you put him De Gea in, okay, it's not as, you know, Champions League football is secured for next season, so it's not like you're you're taking that risk um, if, in case you don't win the the competition, but I think there's a, the growing issue there is that a lot of a lot of people think Dean Henderson should be a nice number one next season, and I, I, sus- I think Solskjaer's missed a trick by staying as loyal as he has to De Gea because when the decision comes to that, it's it's going to be a bigger deal because it's going to be at the start of next season. Whereas if he'd taken De Gea out of the team against West Ham or Leicester, it's almost like you're kind of like ushering in the passing of the torch um, on, on that front because I think everybody knows that Romero is not going to be United's number one next season and it's not a coincidence that his representatives are starting to try and whip up interest in, in him uh, because where Henderson is now back at United and De Gea is still there, Romero is is the full guy and he's far too good. He's, he's too good to be a number two really, never mind a number three. So, yeah, it's slightly absurd for him to be a number three for United. Yeah, and I don't think he would tolerate that. I mean, he's he's had a happy arrangement, clearly, by being a number two, um, getting on with De Gea the last four or five years. And it's he's had some great moments in that time, especially when they won the Europa League. So I think on the strength of that, he should be, um, he should be, I mean, he is deserving of it. But And even if you're to go about the old adage of you should be judged on what you're doing rather than what you've done, his record in the Europa League has been pretty good this season and he was pretty good again against Lask. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to push you for a, a prediction before we, we wrap up. Is it another three-goal margin victory for United, as you predicted, for about four or five games in succession, I think, with success? It, it, I was thinking about this after the Chelsea game because you asked us for our predictions, I think, two days before that game, and I confidently went with the United win. If you'd asked me to predict when the team dropped, there's no way I'd have ever uh, predicted very, United winning that game. Very different, um, very different challenge. Yeah, it's 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 not, you know, I don't think that, I think if Mark Lawrenson had that luxury all those years ago, he might have taken it and his predictions might have looked better than they've turned out to be uh, but I, but regardless of who they play I will go with a 2-0 win for United OK we'll have to see how that one goes you can obviously follow all the coverage of the game build up and reaction on Man- the Manchester Evening News and you can leave us a subscribe and a like here on the Manchester Is Red podcast if you want to listen again and go back to listen to all our old episodes as well but for now thank you very much Samuel for joining me thank you Dom appreciate and it it's the- Thanks for listening and we'll be with you again very, very soon.